0: Beasts ferocious with hunger will swim across the rivers. Oh yeah. Greater part of the army will be against Hister. Oh yeah. The great one will cause him to be dragged in a cage of iron. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of bullshit astrology type prophecy readings.
1: But how do I start this thing off? Ooh, uh...
0: You introduce us to the audience.
1: All right. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank, thank you for the reminder. Yes. Uh, hello, so. and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, the greatest Star Trek series to talk about religion <laughs> a, a lot. Um, yep. Uh, with me as always is James Nolan. Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. And my name is Wade Bowen. And yep, that's the drill. You know it. Uh, we're talking about what is this?
2: This is given the oh so loaded and meaningful title of Destiny. Destiny. Oh yes. Yeah. Whenever whenever yeah. you're dealing with a Deep Space
3: Nine episode that's named after a stripper, probably not gonna
0: be that <laughs> it's gonna be real. All <laughs> right. Yeah. This
3: uh, this episode is called Destiny. It is episode 15 of season three. Uh, the IMDb description is as... Oh, well, it actually aired on February 13th, 1995. Now the IMDb description is as follows. Cisco faces a conflict between his Starfleet duties and his role as the Bajoran emissary when an ancient Bajoran prophecy predicts a joint Federation-Cardassian project will lead to the destruction of the wormhole. As usual, the IMD descriptions are garbage and poorly worded. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's pretty much what happened. Okay, guys, right off the bat, what do we think about this episode? Just like, uh, uh, just so I know, I, I need to know where y'all stand here.
1: Yeah, we need to uh, set the parameters of how we feel. I
2: actually, I think, am I going to be on the limb here? I. I think I liked this episode. Okay. No,
1: so- <laughs> I, I, I was I was going I was I was expecting y'all to shit on it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I think this is the best it's <laughs> like wait a minute, this is a Bajoran religious episode. People hate these, right? This is the best one we've had so far?
2: Is that Oh I, I would definitely I would most definitely agree with that.
3: Okay, this is the best one so far. However, I still have <laughs> problems with its garbage f- overall
2: philosophy. I have problems with the garbage execution. I don't know if I have problems with the philosophy, but I, this is our parameter. The first time
1: I watched it, I've watched it twice. The first time I was like, yeah, man, this got it. I'm, I'm behind. Yeah, okay, finally. They're doing it. Religion, not you, totally awful. And for and then I watched it a second time, and then I was like, well, I maybe there's some issues. Maybe you do have right. some point there, Hugh. Yeah.
3: I think that their the narrative navigates a philosophy instead of the other other way around. I think the the tails wagging the dog a little bit.
1: I think maybe to an extent. Like the second time I was watching it, and I sometimes this is a question I ask myself when watching Star Trek, and I was like, okay, Cisco's doing this. How would Picard have handled this situation? The whole plot of this is basically there's a prof- prophecy. And the emissary Cisco, is a religious figure, is worried about whether to put stock in this prophecy or not. And he kind of waffles, and then he kind of learns to accept part of their of it or whatever. I guess. Yeah. We'll we'll go into more detail as we talk about it. But then. I w- when I was thinking about how would Picard handle this, he would have been the whole time. He'd just been like, "No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let that affect our decisions."
2: I would have liked it. Uh, I would have liked an injection. I mean, because I, yeah, it's a religious prophecy, but it's also kind of like a Nostradamus kind of bullshit limerick yes. prophecy. Here we go. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> right. And
1: so we do know that the prophets are real. They're wormhole aliens. They do live exist outside of time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the fact that there's prophecy,
2: they explain it in a way that sort of helps iron it out and grounds it in science. Yeah. I And he even expresses it effectively where it's like, well, you have old language already couched in sort of BS metaphor, getting retranslated <laughs> over generations and put, under, like, in, put out in situations that it doesn't apply to. That's how you get, like, I'm pretty sure that the book of Revelations is just a in contemporary litter.
1: It's part of a whole type of apocalyptic literature that was even popular at the time it was written, and it is kind of a code about, you know... Specific political things going on at that time. Right, right.
2: So it is utterly irrelevant uh to tomorrow (laughs) right right (laughs) so uh like came off as like this nostradamus bullshit to me the prophets predicted 9-11 yes yes (laughs) yes (laughs) and i just would like at the end if cisco had just said i i think there's something to this and maybe this is where i'm supposed to be but this reading into this shit is bullshit
1: like you said, yeah, like you brought mentioned before, like it's like hinges on how you interpret a text that's been translated over and over again throughout the century. Was it wasn't written
2: like, like in the most direct of terms originally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: written more Nostradamus type than even than the book of Revelation, yeah. because Nostradamus was pretending to actually predict shit, but he's doing it by basically the same reason that astrology works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: You're vague enough. You'll get a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. Right, like the rogue POTUS White, white House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> like no. they wrote- yeah, if, if that's still up by the time this is released whether that's yeah.
2: uh, should we just couch these things into, remember a few weeks ago when
3: everybody was talking about the rogue POTUS
2: accounts <laughs> right
3: yeah I mean here's the thing I think that they have to they have to address this emissary issue at some point right yes they introduce it in the pilot yeah we don't talk about it for three and a half two and a half seasons <laughs> right it's about time it's like it's about
1: time <laughs> it's
3: about time that they figure out and this is even though the philosophy behind this is kind of kind of flimsy. Where we take a real world world problem of having religious scripture flying in the face of progress. Okay, that's like a real world, like a real two thousand and seventeen right. problem, uh, 1995 problem. It's a twenty first twentieth century American problem, and they use their flimsy world building to ba- basically address it in the narrative instead of actually like shedding light to the actual issue. I don't know. I guess that's my problem at the heart of it. At the same time you have a really fun B-plot. And who's now oh, which, yes, yes. Now, which oh. of our followers is strangely attracted to Cardiacian women? That's me and women? Twiggy. Me and, yeah. me and Twiggy <laughs> yeah, are hot for Cardis. Yes. This one is just like a oh. Twiggy and James wet drain.
1: Oh, O'Brien experiences sexism? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, that was great. Let's do it. This so great
2: <laughs> when that was going on. That let's just talk about the B plot real quick because I think I have yeah, a lot yeah. to talk about the A plot structure, but the B plot is great in that yeah. you introduce it. It's just a it. It seems like it's just O'Brien being prickly about people critiquing his work. Then Bri- O'Brien hating uh Cardassians again, and then it starts morphing into like a oh, yeah. this is gonna be different.
1: As soon as the Cardassians show up, O'Brien is just throwing so much shade and like. But I mean, my favorite thing about O'Brien is when he doesn't have any lines. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> and he's just sitting there a, rolling he his eyes. He is the greatest
2: reactor <laughs> in Star Trek, yes. probably history. Y- yeah, I agree. Well.
1: Nah. <laughs> Sorry, right. people. Spock right. eyebrows, people. It's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> so Brian's I, okay. eye rolls. Okay,
2: but he's who's he dethroning? He's dethroning Leonard Le- 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 Nimoy, possibly. Who else? Maybe Richard Picardo. but not uh, maybe Robert Piccardo. But not a lot of not a lot of other actors I think are particularly good reactors.
1: Not even Stan Sakai. He's more George famous for that
2: now. <laughs> right? Yeah, Stan Sakai is more famous for that now. Uh, George Takei, we know George you know. Yes, it's
1: a callback.
2: <laughs> first, it wasn't like. At first, I was like, "Oh, the the Cardis. These are Cardis. I don't find attractive." But then, like when she got in the two, when she
1: Galora Rajal
2: when she got in, like when she was moving all snake-like uh, all of her right? I was kind of like coming onto him in a in a very particularly hard way, like like a like oh, a yeah. like a hooker that had to make like one hundred and fifty dollars tonight for her pen. <laughs> well, for her pants for like, hey Peter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she flips on the dimes. There, her, she's like, "Oh, you jerk! You don't listen to me." She's being like a dismissive man uh-huh. in in our twentieth century, twenty first century v- views of men and women, where she's just like, "Oh, uh, oh, you're you're not busy. Oh, go, oh get, get me some red leaf tea." Yeah, <laughs> you know.
3: I'll just sit here quietly.
0: Huh. In that case, could you give me a cup of red leaf
1: tea? And she's just being, and she doesn't like him. He doesn't like her. And then he confronts her and says, "I know this station better than anybody else. So give me that laser torch and let me do this." And then she just kind of, it's just like she just flips on a dime. And then she's like, "Ooh la la!"
2: <laughs> and she's a, I mean, and she does some good work there. That was good work. Her, her, the actress's oh, name yeah. is Tracy Scoggins, and she's a big Babylon Five actress. And I like that 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 whole story like was kind of good but yet again it's that for some reason o'brien is like i don't know like they're treating him like he's the kirk of the show like again (laughs) he's getting more Pussy, and I think it's because he's, or you know, like attempted, like, and
1: I think it's he's p- getting more women thrown at him, yeah, which Kirk had all the time.
2: And I think it's because he's the closest thing to a toxically masculine man that they have. Bashir's trying to be, but it's clearly like a limp dick sort of thing, yeah. And that's you're
1: being you're being pretty gracious against 90s racism, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're not throwing people at Cisco because, yes, 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 they, they can't, they're, they're worried about people being upset about having a black man having all these women jump on him. Yes. Which is gross and I feel bad saying that. It's like they're scared of any sexuality from Cisco at all right now.
2: Oh, oh of course. Of... Oh.
3: Uh, they're overly, terrified. They're yeah, absolutely terrified. Yeah. And they yeah. have the out of making him a grieving widow for from the sure, trio, sure, sure, so
2: <laughs> until they can find a pretty middle aged black woman for him immediately, immediately
1: Spoilers, man, spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing that happens. Sorry, <laughs> 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 she's great though.
3: Of course, the Obsidian Order pops back up at the end of it. Yeah, you know, or like two thirds of the way. I don't know. The Obsidian Order pops yeah. back in.
1: The interesting thing about the B plot, and also that we have like as far as like. Modern day sexism, it flips the kind of male, female, gender Mm -hmm. stereotypes where, you know, they're like, in Cardassia, women are like, oh, science is just, women are just better at science than men and and math. And, you know, like, whereas the stereotype, which is false, and I think the show knows that and and has fun flipping that and saying, hey, that's not true, is men are not better at math than women.
3: Well, (laughs) I'm sure there's a... MRA guys yeah, love yeah.
1: this episode
2: probably not because it does show the scientist that's capable the female but
1: if hey MRAs out there um, come at me, we, bro. We yeah. Come at yeah, us, bro. Yeah, we yeah. Really, we've really been missing uh, call-ins for the voicemail yeah. for us to really, really lay in. We, we want people to, we, 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 you know, tell us what cucks we are, and we'll tell you to go fuck yourself. We need more Pepe's <laughs> in the show. Um, <laughs> uh, to Be careful what you wish for. 917 408 Pepe's drive
2: traffic, baby. Uh, <laughs> and I heard everything else, but they're good for that one thing. Um, <laughs> drive traffic and kill <laughs> <laughs> Kill our democracy. That it was kind of nice that you see. I mean, it didn't necessarily have to be tied to gender, but you have to assume that the Cardassians follow the general track of oppressive authoritarian regimes, which are generally pretty chauvinistic. Also, yeah. and so I think it's safe to assume that probably Cardassian culture isn't like cool with women. I mean, you can make that assumption because they're based on 20th century. You know,
1: Cardassian society. It feels a lot like. You know, 50s rigid mm-hmm. society yeah. with very prescribed roles for everybody to play their role. And, you know, you don't speak out. You don't act up. You don't call attention to yourself unless you're going to ride out somebody else. To c-
2: so the idea that all of the women were were sort of driven into these sort of science fields and that Cisco and Deep Space Nine finally find the liberal vein in Cardassian culture. Right, right, these right. These people right. that are like, yeah. I, what, well, you don't have to just feed us our own fucking food. You don't have to give us yammic sauce, you know, like like where's my cheeseburger? Um Right, and, right. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, yeah, it's nice. It's a non rigid <laughs> Cardassian and oh wait, there is room for they have some cultural diversity. What? They had been reading <laughs> the their uh,
2: the Fodor's guide to the Federation Space Stations. <laughs> yeah. they, what
1: what the fuck kind of Star Trek aliens are this with cultural diversity outside of humanity? This ain't my Star
2: Trek. <laughs> so it was nice to see that and you get uh it helps with your investment to Cardassian. When you see these people, you're like, you knew there was gonna be a third one. That's just how stories are written. Once they yeah, yeah. once they had decided there was going to be a third one but you're like yeah these ladies are cool yeah, it makes your investment in like man i hope cardassians follow these ladies that's what cardassian needs is more of uh people like these ladies then when you get the third you're like oh you know and it even made it sort of flipped the script for me because i was like i hope the guy from stargate doesn't fuck up their shit and like trying to frame car you know frame some Cardi's oh. to fuck up Vedic,
1: Vedic Yarkas. yes uh, he's from Stargate. Uh, that's I didn't. Yeah, know. he's uh, he's
2: he's from Stargate. He's uh, uh I like Stargate. Uh, it's the only Roland hey. Emmerich movie I, I have an affinity for. Oh,
1: I, I, was it from the movie? Like, because when you say oh, Stargate, I've never watched Stargate show ever. Uh, hey, we do a Star Trek podcast. People that listen to this have watched all of Stargate as well. I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not either.
2: One of them has Begbie from Train Spotting, which I almost watched it, but I didn't. Uh, it's got
1: MacGyver. I know that. <laughs> oh, there is one with MacGyver.
2: I get MacGyver. Sometimes I get MacGyver and Quantum Leap confused. But yeah, but. me too. I was like,
1: was like, no, wait, no, Bakula was on <laughs> yeah. Enterprise, but MacGyver was on Stargate SG one or whatever. Yeah, the show but
2: was. now Bakula still has a career. You still see him and stuff. But I don't, do you see MacGyver at anything?
1: I don't know. Hopefully, he got some royalties from that. Shitty MacGyver remake that they did MacGruber. No, they there's a MacGyver TV show with a young kid with a mullet or something. Or there was. It fuck, didn't last fuck very long.
3: That that sounds like that sounds like dumb television. Well, I think I, yeah, I think well, the, it's called MacGyver and it's on CBS. So. Yeah, is it still on. <laughs> I have, no, I, I have I, no idea. But it has maybe a, the it,
1: country agreed with you. It has
3: the the guy from Monster Trucks is MacGyver. The teenager who put is in Monster Trucks yeah. is MacGyver. They have a baby playing MacGyver. Yeah, it's it's uh, okay. yeah. Oh, it's well, like everybody's canceled. Like, we
1: shouldn't maybe we shouldn't shit talk CBS so much because they're they're the ones doing the new Star Trek and
2: well they're not gonna give us they're not gonna give us money.
1: <laughs> not not now they're not. No, they never were.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we won't shit talk MacGyver
1: as awful and shitty and as bad as as I'm sure it is. We will not resort to shit talking it. That's all.
2: Okay. <laughs> The whole time I was like, that guy's going to fuck up some shit. So I was invested in the little TikTok of the plot,
3: like probably more than I am most of these shows. No, I think and- that that's they did a good job of ratcheting up, you know, Kira's, you know, she she mm-hmm. has a definite arc at the beginning. She yeah, doesn't really take stock in the prophecy. either. Oh, yeah. And then at the end of every commercial break, they ratchet up the and she gasps. And, you know, <gasps> the, the sort prophecy. of, yeah, right. of
2: starts. <laughs>
1: yeah, we go back. To, yeah. Uh, so we're talking about the A plot now.
2: Yeah. Let's let's do um, this thing.
1: Uh, Robot Pope just died. What? Last episode or two episodes ago? Thankfully. And we all now have a peace treaty between Cardassia and Bajor, thanks to dead Robot Pope. He's dead, but we have a peace treaty. And then so there's these these Cardassian scientists are coming over to do the first joint Bajor and Cardassian. Scientific endeavor. And even from the beginning, they're they're setting this place up and Cork comes in earlier in the season, Cork has been demoralized because the Dominion is a thing and there's no more business. And now Cork comes in, he's very excited because he's gonna be able to sell there's gonna be all these Cardassians on the station and everything. And he's got all this canard that he's gotta get rid of. Dex gives us Rule Thirty Four of the Rules of Acquisition. Just this is all preamble to me getting that Rule of Acquisition out. <laughs> she's like, oh. <laughs> it's like Owen Quirk is trying like, oh, you, you, you I got, I'm gonna sell all this canard that I have. I got three cases in storage, because since the occupation. And she's like, oh, that's right. Peace is good for business. That's Rule Thirty Four, right? And then he's like, nope, you're wrong. That's Rule Thirty Five. And she's, oh, what is Rule Thirty Four? these are rules we've had before oh wait
3: we're double dipping into rules at this point really oh that's interesting
1: well on the internet i think i i think i said in one podcast way back i think it's tits or get the fuck out <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in oh in star trek deep space nine rule 34 is war is good for business yes rule 35 is peace is good for business
2: in the original script which was oh, totally unused by the way Uh, It had a rule of acquisition that was so good that when Iris Stephen Bear chucked it, he stole it from the original writers and put it in the book rules of acquisition. Really? Uh, And it is, faith can move mountains of inventory. And that is pretty clever. I have to give the original writers of this credit. Yeah. Even if Iris Stephen Bear won't. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, did that guy get any money from that book that Re- Bear made? money I'm off gonna, of? Uh,
2: I don't. I don't think so. I think he got money for the script, yeah. the original script that they bought. But no, he uh, he was very unhappy with what they did to the screenplay to this show. The writer was. Uh, yeah, the original writer. He was a spec guy who I didn't research what else he's done. There's an interview with him cited in Memory Alpha where he comes off as a very embittered man. He said, I hate it. It Another thing, the episode didn't make sense. There's a bunch of guys running around, I'm quoting, trying to stop Cisco from doing something without ever saying why it mattered whether he did it or not, which is totally not true. (laughs) I still get a headache when I watch it. Later, a TV development executive for Wind Dancer, I don't even know what that means, told me that he had a friend who loved Destiny and said it was his favorite episode. You Go figure.
1: Did this guy actually work? later on
2: no it was a this was a slush pile script i
1: know i mean but yeah you know brian fuller oh, started did he with a slush body
2: oh, uh you're gonna have to give me a minute on that i didn't because
1: research. it sounds like a nerd that got angry that they didn't use his script at all but they used his story idea yes and gave him and paid him for it
2: <laughs> he wrote a book called screenplays out uh, 25 scripts made it to a theater near you for better or worse. So now I think he's a script doctor, which...
1: Oh, so he's trying to be the Save the Cat guy who never actually... Made yeah, a good movie. Hey, at <laughs> least the
2: Save the Cat guy wrote Blake Check. so I don't know what the fuck <laughs> this guy wrote <laughs> other than not this episode. This is his only TV credit. He wrote the narration for Hollywood Remembers Walter Matthau in 2001.
1: Good good for him? Yes. L- let me buy a book about that. <laughs> nope. uh, oh, and Volfights. <laughs>
2: The chick that, she, that they do cockfighting is uh the, yeah the... yeah
1: yeah or or dogfighting yeah. I thought of it as but same difference yeah and they're like no Cork, you're not going to be able and he's like I would never do that but if people had voles that got in the fights who, who what can I they're like no we'll hold you responsible That's... but then okay. but then Vedic Yarka comes in he's been kicked out of the Vedic Assembly he's not even a Vedic anymore mm-hmm. that they learn later on because he's an expert on Tracor's third prophecy which I can read for you right now.
2: Get this Nupstradama shit out of the way.
1: Maybe I'll try to find some, like, spooky bed music to put underneath
0: <laughs>
1: <this>. <laughs> When the river wakes, stirred once more to Janeer's side, three vipers will return to their nest in the sky. When the vipers try to peer through the temple gates... A sword of stars will appear in the heavens. The temple will burn, and the gates will be cast open. Uh, so that's that's from Tracor's third prophecy. Mm. Um, <laughs> yep, and it's all Nostradamus shit. What did the emissary?
2: What did that have to? I, I'm, this is like it's like every time it's been read, I missed. Is, what is the reference to the emissary in the.?
1: They, that's a good question. They keep saying this is a prophecy that, that relates to the emissary. He's never actually mentioned in anything. They okay, quote so that from was it. confusing
3: the fuck out of me. That might be what the writer of the episode is, it has a problem with. Oh, yeah. Maybe that that's probably, his, uh... That's probably his objection. Because he's th- that is the weird thing about this. It's like he, as a religious. Icon. They actually call him an icon at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an yeah. icon. Is yeah. As a religious icon, he has an obligation to adhere to the prophecies. That's implied, but never explicitly said. And as a federation commander, he's got an obligation to make sure that the project goes as planned. So I think that's supposed. You're just like inferred, you know, tension, but it doesn't really. It's never actually said.
2: Yeah, okay, so it didn't... Like, what I was confused about is that at some point, he never had to, like, assume the mantle. Like, he didn't have to accept being emissary to want to stop a comet from blowing up the um, the wormhole. Like, protecting the wormhole is a big deal for them. And so at no point... Maybe the fuck... Are you making saying that this Coen writer has got a point? Maybe he does. At no point does he need to believe he's the emissary to fix the problem.
1: Right, well... Like the conceit seems to be like if he were to accept his role as the emissary, he would know what the prophecies, he would know that they were true and therefore he would not allow them to happen. And then in which case the prophecies are bullshit, Mm -hmm. which is like, I don't know how to (laughs) like make that make sense.
3: Neither did the writers. They were. Pretty much replace all of the stuff that they need to say that we're saying that they need to say. What they the problems that we're having that they're leaving out, they don't actually say it, they just have it in a nice, tidy conversation. With Kira explaining her problem. She explains her problem to to somebody I don't even remember. She's so, oh, yeah, so, to Vedic, yeah, the, Yard the, Vedic, the Vedic himself. He's, she's, she's she yeah, he's like, You're religious, right. so you exactly.
1: believe me, right? And right. she's like, Yeah, I guess so. And it's then like, she lays out the problem
3: have... I gotta be this and I gotta be that. And that is supposed to, like, let the audience know the central problem of the episode.
2: You have to understand my position here. Commander Cisco is my superior officer. I have to deal with him on that basis first. But when Dax later on says to him, kind of pointedly, kind of a well-written motivation for Dax. Yeah. When she says, what would you do if you weren't the emissary and just do that thing? I don't understand how that's in conflict with what he would... How is his decision-making process changed... Yeah, whether he believes he's the emissary or not, that's my protecting the wormhole is important. Whether it is the gods of the ba- of the Bejor or or if they're just some
3: weird aliens that keep a wormhole like stable.
1: Oh, just wait till we get to the end. Okay. <laughs> okay.
3: Well, I mean, we could. I mean, basically, no. we could scoot to the end. I mean, uh, every 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 well, every commercial turn, the the prophecy is ratcheted up to appearing true, mm-hmm. and there's some. If you guys. Listen, if you have an aversion to techno babble and Star Trek, this episode oh my god. is not for you. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, but there's the transcoil coil. Oh my god. Oh, I, I wrote down a lot of techno babble here. I could tell you, but maybe I'll I'll just save everybody the trouble. There's this comet which Kira sees on the bridge of the Defiant when they're in the Gamma Quadrant. And says, the sort of stars and the sort of stars. And uh, Cisco is like, has to take her away and say, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> you're embarrassing me in front of these Kardashians. like, like they don't know anything like, and she's like oh I'm sorry I, but I believe you're an icon and he's like well look I'm and then that's a pretty good speech from him like where he's like look I don't know how to be an icon I just know if I'm going to make if I'm going to change something it's got to be Something Starfleet, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's a weird use of the adjective totally, Starfleet, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that that um, hit my ear weird. This wasn't a best line
2: to line episode I've seen, but no, that was the <laughs> worst offender.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I was. For all my complaints, I was with this episode. No, okay, no, no. I but,
2: I like this episode quite a bit, actually. But uh, yeah, I, I
1: mean, as I as we nitpick it, I'm I'm finding little things, and mm-hmm. you know, like, well, we've we've gotten over them.
3: Well, I, oh, actually, I want back up to like the first act real quick because my our problem of them not wanting to address like as a show not address Cisco as the emissary is neatly summed up in this little speech. That Odo gives Cisco. Oh yeah, yeah, says, yeah, that's a mm-hmm. great scene, by the way. Yeah, where yeah, well, oh, oh, your
1: agendas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, well,
3: everybody's got agendas, and you can't be objective. And he's like, "What are you talking about? Well, you don't. I don't have
1: an agenda. You don't
3: want to be the. You don't want to be the emissary. And so that was like the. I thought that was a beautifully placed little speech that neatly explains why they haven't for 50 plus episodes addressed mm-hmm. the fact that Cisco is a religious icon to these people who constantly pop up in these episodes.
2: And I got and I got to say that that, that was them being smart as a show where they're like yeah. what is our what is our flank on this? Like what are what are we what, what? What is our Achilles heel? Well, we haven't mentioned this major plot element. We just totally forgot it. Well, let's just.
1: Which is like how we've started the entire damn series. Yes.
2: And so we have to hand wave over this. We have to to get this episode off the ground. But so how do you do it? You give like a two minute scene, find your two best actors on the show, and they have it like it wasn't that that didn't have to be Odo and Cisco. It could have been Dax and it could have been anybody in Cisco. Yeah. But you get their two best actors, give them two minutes, let them do the work. And it was like that was like this is how a show gets over these these minor problems and just. But I do like
1: it with that it was that it was Odo and Cisco because Odo is like in my experience all humanoids have an agenda like every like he's like the detective in Odo is like. Yeah, I can I can isolate you, you know, like, or actors, like, oh, what is your one drive, your want, but, what is but the thing?
2: But like? said, I've lived seven lifetimes, and I've had seven different, ing- you know, you can't, yeah, <laughs> everybody right. could have. I mean,
1: well, and it's not like Odo has no agenda, or <laughs> Odo's got his own shit that he needs to confront. He just does it, he's just willing not to believe he's perfect. Yeah.
2: And- Somebody sabotage the ship.
1: Yeah, there's this sword of stars, which is a comet.
2: That is full of something bad.
1: Uh Silithium. So Which kills
2: wormhole aliens did.
1: It kills the whole wormhole. And it's not a problem until they put a carrier wave through the wormhole. Technobabble. Oh, wait. wait.
2: I wanted to pause. I wanted to pause in the scene between Kira and Cisco. That Kira's explanation for the prophecies, I think, goes a long way to making me more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. It makes me, like, not more comfortable. Like, I'm not uncomfortable with spirituality in shows. But I would like to have... Like I always like an option that I don't have to believe in this. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. and that was a, a pretty good explanation. Like they live outside of these wormhole aliens live outside of time. They could be talking to Cisco at the same time that they're talking to like Stargate guys, like patron Yeah, yeah. Like prophecy yeah. giver. Yeah. Nostradamus. <laughs>
1: tracor, tracor.
2: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. If you've located an alien race that lives outside of the fifth dimension, that's basically like God as we understood it up until the fifteenth century or sixteenth <laughs> right. century. So there you go. That's a good enough of an explanation for these kinds of things as possible. And I was like, yeah, that's okay. I, she sold me on that. And she yeah, sold Cisco, she did me so too. It's a good argument.
1: Put a pin in that. I have something to say to that when we get to the end of the show. okay.
2: <laughs> so. But back up to the sabotage.
1: O'Brien's going to, recalibrate the phasers to take out the whole comet instead of hitting it with a burst and making it explode into a bunch of chunks which will go into the wormhole and destroy the, the solithium will destroy the wormhole technobabble 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 but it's important <laughs> the b plot interacts with the a plot because the um, the Cardassian is trying to fuck o'brien you
3: yeah, have very steady hands oh well, they get
0: the job done, I guess. Sir.
1: He's like, "Oh, I'm not attracted to you at all." She's like, "Fuck you." He's like, "Oh, no, you're gross." He's like, "Oh, no, I didn't mean it in a bad way." It's like, and she and she leaves him alone, and he finishes the job by himself. The job doesn't work. And they blow up the asteroid into three units. But because this Cardassian uh, Galora has fallen for O'Brien, she rats out the third Cardassian as a member of the Obsidian Order who sabotaged it. Yeah.
2: And it was so clear when she was brought in and when she was eating the, she was the only one that didn't want a cheeseburger. So yeah, like, the
1: re- the two of, uh, yeah, Loni Belor and Galora Rajal are like, no, Cardassian food sucks. Yeah. Luckily,
2: she subtweeted look, her too with this, like, some some scientists believe that. are about- than other Cardassians. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: The science ministry gets away with shit because they're smarter than everybody else. Yeah. And they can, I guess, they've got enough worth that they can, but they're part of the military. Yeah, that was another and element. They'd...
2: that They're part of the military, so the, the dangerousness of what they were about to do was hidden. Because they had to mm-hmm. keep their stats, they had to juke their stats lower so things don't seem so bad. And that was something mm-hmm. from, that was a plot point from The Wire.
3: <laughs> right, oh, yeah. how the yeah. cops keep... Keeping the crime stats down,
2: yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's like the Car- Cardassians are like Karketty.
1: Cisco's going to be starting hamster dance yeah. soon <laughs> enough. But uh, yeah, yeah, because the, there was a 2% chance that the sub-carrier wave would create a subspace inversion. Technobabble, technobabble.
2: And so you have this good sequence of Cisco being decisive and, you know, good Cisco, like prob- like problematic yeah, yeah. and, like or prob- you know, Problem solving and, like, coming up with solutions real quick and making quick decisions. And he's going to, which I didn't know, that do all escape pods have warp drives?
1: Yeah, that, that's, that was a question I had, too. At first, I thought, like, shuttlecrafts didn't have warp drives because you need a big warp engine. That's nerd corner stuff. But okay, fine. I guess it has a warp drive. But also, like, is this, this is the first time we've had a shuttle. We've had shuttle crafts in Next Generation and Enterprise. Uh-huh. We get runabouts yeah. in Deep Space Nine. But the Defiant, which is so small, it doesn't get shuttle crafts or runabouts. It gets a shuttle pod, which is even smaller. And I think
2: that it looked like about the size of a sh- shuttle. No, it's
1: a... It's a different crap. It was it was a different set, which is more cramped. Okay. Which and then the other thing I noticed in this episode, which has been true since they have had the Defiant, the Defiant has two sets.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: got the bridge, and then it has the bunks.
2: I actually, I was reading something about this on Memory Alpha. The bunks set is actually there was a little more smarter than that. It's called a, I guess they called it a wild set to where it was like made out of like seven pieces that could have been broken to be configured. In multiple different ways, so it could be the same. And they just buy- use
1: the same way. They didn't feel like resetting it most of the time. Yeah,
2: they. Well, I mean, it's it's not that varied. I mean, like it's like <laughs> you buy a Lego set, and everything basically looks like it's made out of Legos. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but
1: because um, <laughs> because that when when uh, Cisco is dressing down Kira, it looks the same as when Bashir is talking to. Dax, Dax and Meridian as when Odo and Quark are sharing at the beginning of the season. It, I haven't noticed In their a
2: defense, all of their quarters would look very similar. But.
1: That's true. Well, they don't have a briefing room yeah. or a ready room, which is fine. This is a word. They don't have a...
2: They don't have a brig set. They don't, that would have been useful because they, they've twice now thrown someone in the brig. Yeah.
1: They keep <laughs> confining people to quarters yes. over and over again, like they do with Dejar, the third Cardassian Viper. Yeah. Or not like
2: okay, so he warp f- fields the giant rocks through, and little things are leaking. It leaks a little bit, just so a little, yeah, bit of,
1: little bit of silithium, a
2: little bit of pre-silithium comes out, and um, <laughs> oh, and and he and he busts through the 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 hole in sp- the <laughs> tight hole in space. <laughs> yeah,
1: all right, and, all right. <laughs>
2: and it uh, and all of the stuff that they were doing that wasn't working earlier in the episode. I guess we I mean even set. They're trying to set this relay up between, like, oh they yeah, have sensor, sensors on the other <laughs> side yeah. of the wormhole. They're trying to
1: have a communications relay to the Gamma Quadrant through yeah. the wormhole. So it's the and whole point. It, of and this it hasn't subject. been yeah.
2: working, and now like they got it, like whatever they sent it is now coming through freely. So now they you, but you have the lasting effect of now they have communication sensors, so they can get a first response sensor from right. the Dominion. Well, they've it's,
1: got a they got a sensor two kilometers from the mouth of the wormhole. On the gamma quadrant, which two kilometers feels so tiny because anytime they're even next to a next to a ship to even fire phasers, they're at least ten kilometers or a hundred. Mm-hmm. But and this is a little bit angry nerd corner on my part. <laughs> like like it's, it feels like every time they come out of the wormhole, they'd be running into the sub, the communications relay. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't know that's that's not worth bringing up like I just spent all this time doing. There's a subspace filament of solithium keeping the temple gates burnt. It burned the temple gates and kept them open thus fulfilling Tracor's third prophecy, obviously. <laughs> like oh okay. So
2: wouldn't it be nice if there was some consequence to them doing good that we could like feel? Other than, <laughs> wow, we got better cell phone reception.
1: Well, I mean, it makes sense that like they need to have a relay there in case the Dominion is coming up for an yep. invasion force on the their side of the no, I, to take over I, that. I, I <laughs> it's a
2: security
3: issue that they bring up. They no, say I, that's.
1: Yeah. Specific-
2: I get it. I get it. I'm saying that, like, wouldn't it be neat to have been watching this show and it would have been like, important to get. It <laughs>
1: does feel like it has not necessarily very lasting repercussions for the fate of yes. Deep Space Nine. It's got
2: lasting repercussions, just not exciting repercussions.
1: I d- are they? I don't even know if it's even... If it doesn't... Well, I don't know. I think I, they can I, monitor
2: again, shit. I mean... I, don't I know.
1: guess so. And But it just seems to me like the Dominion would just come up and say, hey, look, there's a relay. Boom, it's gone. You can't see us anymore. <laughs> Why are they not got...
2: more nervous about going into the Gamma Quadrant? Like...
1: uh. Cause, cause they have like a season or two before they, unlike Lost, they thought out the arc <laughs> of the show and they know what's happening in what season and they want They had, and they're doing 23, 26 episodes a season and they have to milk just this shit the, out the, the, last the it. Life
2: forms are rather risk averse. You can say, you can go over there and explore. There's all kinds of crazy, interesting shit over there. There's a giant four, three faced military that's going to fucking destroy you and there is no known ways to stop them. I don't think I'm going to go over there, is what the average person would say.
1: Well, we've talked about this in the past, too. Like, it's Star Trek, man. It's about exploration. You can't just... You, and you can't be kowtowed in the face of fascism I mean, or well, tyranny. Well, I can but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but... yeah, but... It's no, sure, but, but I
2: bet Bajorans are. I bet, like, you're, you're right, but it just seems like th- that that would have been put a hole. But you can't just drop the whole wormhole. There's the whole point of Deep Space not right. being there. Well,
1: they might be kowtowed and be fearful, but then, like... It's a defense question. Like, mm-hmm. we could stay out of the gamma quadrant, but we don't know if they're going to stay out of the gam of uh, of the alpha quadrant. Yeah, so that we would be need... fine if
2: it was just there as a defensive measure to like to get sensors. If it was just a U two yeah. plane, but I don't think. But it's... they're
1: going willy nilly back and forth into the gamma quadrant.
2: To yeah, explore. they're saying that it's there to help explore the gamma quadrant. Is what yeah. they say to Stargate. It ends with this like sort of silly ending where it's like. They're reading the Nostradamus report wrong. The Vipers were not Cardassians because Cardassians are cool now. Especially the chicks.
1: But yeah, the Vipers were the three fragments of the comet. We're so dumb, we should have seen that. And like, piercing
2: no, the hole in it... the sky is a good thing.
1: And then and then, um, Vedic Yamak Saucer, whatever his name is, is like, you're right. <laughs> <was> like, okay. <laughs> yes. Which is actually... Nice because they set him up as like a like this guy just hates
2: Cardassians anyway,
1: yeah. And so that or, the fact or that is, he's or
2: is a info, Bajoran Infowars yeah, kind of guy, yeah,
1: he's Bajoran <laughs> <to> Alex Jones, <laughs> yes. But the fact that he's actually no, like oh, he's able, you know, unlike some people, he's able to accept when he's wrong, mm-hmm. and then but it's Cisco coming to terms with with like maybe I am the emissary, maybe that's okay, and then he's walking down the promenade with. Vedic yamak sauce or whatever. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And uh Tracor's fourth prophecy is coming up, and Cisco's like, oh, does that have to do with me, the emissary? And he's like, in fact, it does. And then Cisco says, well, tell me all about it, which... I'm sorry, that's not Starfleet protocol, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you're you're defying Starfleet temporal protocol, like you've said back in past tense one and two. So okay, <laughs> if you know the future. You can't. You shouldn't be acting as if you could change it.
2: Okay, so this is like the the second script. There was three script versions of this, and this one was the the first the. Sp- second one was written by Rene Uh
1: We had somebody pronounce, tell us how to do this right. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Recently? On Twitter.
2: Renee, my buddy Renee, wrote the, a second script, and he based it on a uh, Heart of Darkness, to where a Federation pencil pusher is set up to remove, not to, to remove Cisco from command, because Starfleet was uncomfortable with the emissary shit.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: And while is, they were there, an ongoing prophecy was afoot, and the pencil pusher saw that he was the emissary and needed to be uh-huh. there. But that was sort of the the original.
1: That was this this script, or yeah, that was the script?
2: that was the you have the you have the it was unused. So you have like the first yeah. the script they bought from the pissy guy, um. and then Walter Mathau guy, and then you then you have the second script that Renee
3: the Let
1: me tell you it's renee it's a And you can
3: the, you, I want to get it right. I, I, yeah. I get it right. It's like a Dini the shortstop for the Florida Marlins. Oh, there
1: you yeah. go. And I and and also oh this is uh Joint Mango uh on Twitter, but also we can roll the r if we want. Yeah, I'm if, good. if we can. <laughs> if we can roll the R. Like, yeah. No,
3: so, I can't. I, I can't do it. It's a Varia. It's a so, know, <laughs> so a, we end up we end up with we have we moved the ball down the field at all with with the overall story arc? Well, sort of with
2: Cisco, you they, they confirm that he's the emissary harder and with more facts. I mean, I'm sorry. they confirm whether or not he is the, <laughs> the emissary by means that are more effective and confirming later in the show. Before it becomes key to the central, before it becomes right. super well, central to the key. This is
1: less about him confirming him. This is about him accepting that he might be the emissary. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but
2: I'm saying that that's confirmed yeah. harder yeah. later.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs>
2: okay, uh, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, you're yeah, you're you're not wrong. But
2: that's fine. But they wanted to play with it, and they need to be playing with it. So that yeah. so no, not really. I don't know if the communications array comes back on board. Yeah, that... Seeing that yeah. Cardassians and Bajorans are now going on this sort of joint scientific exploratory... I mean, like, it's an international space station kind of deal where, you know, you got yeah, Russians yeah. mixing with cosmonauts and your astronauts sort of mixing together. And, and that's nice to see. I think that's moving the plot along. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, this is... It's not fascination. This Thank is a, God. This is a spine episode. Like I think this is a load-bearing episode and I think that like I think at the end of the season we might be hard cut to whether to cut this out or not uh, yeah. from Whiteout. up. But oh, ultimately <laughs> you doesn't oh, seem to have you a problem. You doesn't find that problem. I actually like this episode <laughs> except that I just thought that it could have been this could have been a, like I say this a lot that it just needed a little more punch. Like everything on this yeah. show is a little, not too much, but like it's a little logy. Everything yeah, is a little. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just, like yeah. punch it, punch it up, man. Like like you got you got interesting questions and you have good scenes yeah. that are happening between these actors. But like like these endings, man, they can. I don't want to like I I I said last week's episode was too emotional, but it was like it was it was a weird kind of emotional. This needs to just. Like, they don't build in the fifth act, and so I feel like it's hard for me to say because it kind of gets limp dick as it goes on.
1: Yeah, actually having a guy from Starfleet come in to be worried about him as the emissary is a pretty good plot to use. And you can also shift
2: perspective, too, so you can spend, like, first act and a half with him, you know?
1: They probably, well... They probably they maybe they don't want to hire even that many more guest stars for this episode. Yeah, <laughs> and and it might not even be like the time to do that. Like later on, once he accepts being the emissary, is feels like when they should bring people in to see like.
3: That's where they should ratchet up the star fleetness of it. Yeah, when yeah, When he yeah. accepts it, mm-hmm. because right now we do have a star massive star presence. It's Cisco. Whenever he right, gets right. away from that, that's right. when you bring in out like third yeah. parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, right, we, like. Because like, Cisco,
1: yeah, like mm-hmm. if we want to do what we would fix about this, which I don't even know, but if what I would fix about that would be like, well, yeah, he at the end of this. He's like kind of like maybe I am the emissary. That's when you send the Starfleet guy in to check him out. Like right now, he's been like, no, I'm just Starfleet. Fuck this emissary stuff. And, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. No, I I agree. It is kind of like
2: mm. I think we covered this one
1: pretty yeah, well. Would we, yeah. well, you guys you guys yep. want
3: to take a guess on the score, the IMDb score?
1: Yes, Um, let's see, it's a Bajoran religion episode, but it's a better one, I'm going to say 7.7, I'm going to stick to that
2: I'm going to say that it's lower, I I like this episode, but I think You're probably right I'm going to say 7.3
3: This one has 602 votes, which is, I think here in the third season, we've seen an uptick in in the amount of votes, and this is starting to be like the new average it's a 7.4. Wow, yep, that sounds about right. And let's see if uh, our old buddy, Plankton Rules, has anything to say about this. Real quick, I'm sorry about that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, the last sentence Plankton uh, throws out here is, I appreciated how the Bajoran prophecies are not superstitions on the show. In fact, this isn't, this and other episodes often seem to support the prophecies and create a highly unusual atmosphere for the show. Well done and worth seeing. So yes, this one gets a. I think the lowest plankton ever gives any. This is a seven out of ten for plankton, mm. and uh, so yeah. And he's a. I mean, he's a.
2: He's a ride or die. Or she. He's a. <laughs> they are a ride or die person. Yeah. 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 So.
1: If anybody knows who plankton rolls is, yes. If nothing else, w- is
2: just so that I can get their. Uh, I can get their preferred pronouns. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for for an episode that I enjoyed watching, it left like I didn't. Like I it just kinda of petered out.
1: Yeah. I watched it when I was about to fall asleep like two nights ago and I was like, Yeah, this one's really great and I watched it again today. I was like I mean I still like this one. It's it's pretty good, but it's maybe it's on the second watch it's not as great as I thought it was.
2: The I first watched time. the first two acts quite a bit. It was just kinda of like Yeah. You, kind of, <laughs> you know, you know how it is. Sometimes it's going good it's going really good. Things are going, right, right. things are going. I was really
1: enjoying of finally then doing a religion episode that didn't suck. Yeah. And I feel like having to, like, oh, that right,
2: the, oh, I mean, they had a lot of, um, I love, I'm sorry, I love Louise Fletcher. And I think she plays a certain type well, but she's not a, there's a, there, when there was just scenes between her and that awful fucking robot Pope, and, like, <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. And, like, yeah. sometimes it was just, like, these scenes are Just not great. Right.
1: And it was a little weird to have a religion episode without Kai Ratchet. Yeah. But it probably worked better that she wasn't in this one, because she was a supporter of the...
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The peace treaty. As a character, she was in the plot as a a person who didn't believe this guy, so that helped, I guess, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was too radical for her, so I think that gives him some sort of suspicion, suspicious nature to his character early on. Right, right. So it right. Works. Yeah, 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 exactly,
1: yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, but let, we're done talking about this stuff. We're going to move on to... I'm yelling at my
2: phone here. Okay, <laughs> well, we got to close this, though.
0: I could provide you with many healthy children, if, if that's your concern, but... Quite frankly, I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself.
1: And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because, hey, guess what? I didn't get around to editing voicemails, but we'll get some to you, and, you know, we're good for it. It's a crazy weekend this weekend, and I was working on this other... Hey, you know what? I I, I don't have to explain myself to you. I don't think... Well, if you think that I do, or whatever, give us a call at 917 408 3898. If you're missing our voices, go listen to our voicemail extravaganza special episode, and we'll have something along those lines for you. Maybe to make up for this. I feel bad about it, but you know, you're fine. Enjoy this shorter episode. So good night, good morning, and uh yeah, well you know how we end this thing.
3: Read to beam out.
0: Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their earholes. holes. They will play them on air, and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898 that number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that, James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.